Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mino Lion Media presents the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kevin Waits again, and I'd like to welcome you to a new episode of Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits, where we really unpack our bags and we talk about things that impact us all. Things like culture, things like religion, things like food, sexual identity, our differences. And, and I do this to somehow get us all to somehow move forward together, because that is really the only way we can truly move forward is if we do it together. Uh, and so just because I always remind my guests, thank you for listening, but just because it's called safe conversations, doesn't mean we have soft conver- conversations. We really unpack our bags and kind of drill down into things. So just like every other week, I'm extremely excited about our guests. And I'd like to welcome to our platform today, the Honorable Brenda Bethune, Mayor Bethune of the city of Myrtle Beach. Welcome. Hi, Kevin, thank you. And I guess I'm ready to let's unpack this bag. (laughs) I know you're ready. Listen, uh, I I really do. I know you're busy. Uh, You're always busy. You do great work. And uh, and I'm just happy that you, you took time and I know your time is valuable. So if you can, can you start out? I know you and I know who you are, but can you tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, your education, your family, whatever it is you think we need to know? Well, I guess, you know, the main thing, I'm just an ordinary person like everybody else. Um, I'm no special, no different than anyone. I was born and raised in Myrtle Beach and grew up with a family of, I would say, overachievers. And my dad and mom had both had very, very strong work ethics. And that was always instilled in me at a very early age. But um, I just, I love to work. I enjoy working, staying busy. I love serving my community. And my husband and I have three children between us and two amazing grandsons. And I know you know, now you're a grandfather, so you know what kind of love that is like. Oh, man, yes. Yeah. But I just love serving people and helping people. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, and and and, and shout out to the grandkids. I'm telling you, I don't even, uh, Mayor, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, I have three grandkids now, and, and sometimes my daughter will say, you love me. You love them more than you love me. Or like, you know, my granddaughter, she's, she's the first one, right? She's always larger than charge. And I tell her she'll always be the princess, but she just declares that I love her daughter more than I love her. And I don't, it's just different, you know, and I can't, I can't even explain it. I can't even put my hand on my finger on it. It is just different, but it's a great feeling. It truly is. Yeah. So as a young child, what ambitions did you have? Did you dream about uh, becoming a politician? Did you want to do something else? What did you dream about as a young kid? I would dream about anything other than politics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, you said we're unpacking the bags and Mm -hmm. being authentic and real. And 
I had great parents. I do not want it to sound like I did not have great parents. Right, right. But my dad was, you know, first generation Italian. Um, his was the first generation to come to the United States. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he just didn't believe that young girls needed to have big dreams. Mm-hmm. And I never felt that way. And I, I remember I, from a very, very young age, I wanted to be a doctor, a, a surgeon. I wanted to be a surgeon. Wow. And I would read, you know, go to the library and get these medical books and just be engrossed in them. And he was like, you don't need to look at those. You know, mm-hmm. you can't be a doctor. You can't be a surgeon. So I was told a lot. You can't do this. You can't do that. You don't need to. Right. Um, I had an older brother. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. I had a brother who was six years older than I. Uh, we were actually born on the same day, six years apart. Wow. And it was my brother worked in the family business with my dad. So I was always told, don't worry. If anything ever happens, your brother's going to take care of you. Hmm. So that's you know how I was raised was okay, well, I don't need to be an overachiever because he's going to take care of everything. Mm -hmm. And when I was 17 and I had already decided that I was going to go to summer school and graduate high school early, uh, that year was the year that my brother was tragically killed in a boating accident. And, you know, my world was turned upside down. I, I lost my hero, my best friend. And the person that I was told would always take care of me. So I, I had to figure it out real quick. Wow. Uh, I, 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 you know, I'm kind of floored because I did not know that, but I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. Hmm. I'm so sorry thankfully, you know, we, uh, you hear a lot of stories of people talk about teachers that impacted their lives mm-hmm. and thankfully for me, I was going to the, what was at the time, the career center. And I had a teacher that was also a very good friend and she came along beside me. My mom and dad, well, I won't say checked out. They didn't really know how to handle the grief Mm -hmm. and didn't know how to handle it amongst themselves and didn't know how to help me process it and handle it. And the, the way it was dealt with was don't talk about it. Right. But thankfully I had a teacher who came along beside me and, you know, she knew that I needed help and encouragement and got me where I needed to be and um, went to school for two years for fashion because my mother was an amazing dress designer. And I thought, well, gosh, I don't really know. I know I love fashion. I don't know Mm -hmm. what to do. (laughs) And uh, from there, my dad asked me to come into the family business with him. And thankfully, looking back, that was such a huge blessing because at the time, uh, Anheuser-Busch, which was the company, you know, we were Anheuser-Busch wholesalers and other brands. And at that time, Anheuser-Busch had just this incredible management training program. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate enough to go through that program for about six years. Uh, so it was a very intensive management training program that probably gave me a better education than I ever would have gotten 
at any university uh, just because it was real hands-on experience learning education that was related to the actual work that I was doing right and prepared me you know how to be an empathetic leader how you know the legal side of things the financial side of things operations marketing sales you name it and you know my dad was tough and that was good because he literally made me start from the ground up my first job was in the warehouse. The The first year that I worked for him, I worked a double shift. I worked the uh, day shift in the office in the administration department. And at night I worked in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. So it, it was not easy, yeah. but I'm grateful that it wasn't easy because it taught me how to have that work ethic, but mm-hmm. it, mainly it taught me how to appreciate and value the jobs that other people do. Yeah. Because I literally got to work in every single job throughout that organization. And mm-hmm. it gave me so much understanding for when you want someone to do something, you have to understand where they're coming from and what it is you're asking them to do. And you have to be willing to do it yourself to, to earn and gain their respect. Yeah. Yeah. And that is true. Um, you said something about, that kind of poked me. You know, sometimes people say things that kind of poke you and I, <laughs> you poked me, you poked me on a, on a couple of things. Number one uh, was that, you know, I, I spent 24 years in law enforcement and you, as you know, but I never, uh, as a child, that's not what I wanted to do. I, you know, I, that is not what I wanted to do. I, I had plans of uh, working for ESPN or or BET as a sports analyst. I love sports and I, and I you know I wanted to be involved in broadcast communications and um, that is what I wanted to do and in, in, in life the saying is life uh, is sometimes life and life started life and change your plans and off to Europe and Germany I go and in a young family and I needed a job and, and so you know I ended up uh, stumbling into a career of service that I didn't uh, expect to get involved in, but that is where I was supposed to be because it all it all worked out. So life has a kind of God has a way, I believe, to kind of redirect us sometimes when we He gives us free will, but He kind of redirects us to get us back. Uh, and isn't it amazing how He uses every circumstance? I don't care how tragic or how painful it is. Yeah. Um, every single circumstance in our lives, he uses it. And I, I certainly believe that I've seen it now that I can look back and see different things that happened throughout my life. I'm like, gosh, God really spared me from that. Oh man! You know, he used this situation, that situation. And I never wanted to do this job. I never Mm -hmm. said, oh gosh, I want to grow up and I'm going to be a politician. And first of all, I don't consider myself a politician. I consider myself a public servant gotcha. um, because I do believe the two are very, very different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But because I saw my parents and they were both very philanthropic, very giving back to the community, great volunteers. I knew that that was what I should do, that yeah. it's very important to give back to others. And, you know, when I, I remember my dad telling me that, you know, God has blessed us 
And when somebody gives you something, you give it back tenfold. Mm. And I believe in that. And I believe that how we treat people matters. And I believe that we all have a responsibility. We all have different gifts, different talents, and we can all give back in different ways. And it, it doesn't have to be monetarily, but there are so many other ways that God can use us to go to work and to make a difference in the lives of others and in our communities. I believe that. I I, I totally agree. And, And like you said, every circumstance has a way of, pointing you in the right direction and, and, and shaping and, and kind of directing your path. Um, I had a, one of my coworkers asked me one time, they said, how can you come in here every day? Uh, you, you make decisions that impact the community. You know, you make decisions that can impact uh, your family and just everybody around you. And you smile and you're at peace every day. All hell's breaking loose, Kevin, sometimes, but you're at peace. How do you, how do you do that? And I was like, you know what? That's a good question. And, you know, I kind of smiled at him and I said, well, honestly, I can do that because my name may be on the door, but I'm not really in charge. You know, I believe in a, in a higher calling and, and, you know, I let, I know I'm supposed to be serving and, and I just let, like you said, I just let God use me. So that is how I sleep at night. I try to do the right thing by everybody. Even when, you know, everybody may not be happy, I try to do what I think is right. And uh, at the end of the day, I can, I can be at peace about it and, and sleep at night. So I, I am I am all in with you on uh, on, on service. So, well, my, my husband is a huge Clemson Tigers fan. So I'm okay. sorry for anyone who's listening <laughs> who is not. But, you know, he one of his favorite sayings, and I love it, too, that Dabo Sweeney uses is, you know, that may the light that is in us shine brighter. Um, Something about may the light that shines in us shine brighter outside of us. And we we are to be that light. And I I don't know what people's circumstances are. You know, I'm in a job where Mm -hmm. people aren't always happy. They're angry. Um, They're frustrated. You know, they want answers. Mm -hmm. And I can't always have the right answer or give them the answer that they really want. But what I can do is always be kind right. and I can always smile and I, w- I can always be caring and empathetic. And I think that's important wherever we're planted. I agree. I agree. Switching gears a little bit. Um, Myrtle Beach is currently one of the country's fastest growing metropolitan statistical areas, right? Knowing that 100, 100 years from now, what do you want people to remember about your tenure as mayor? Um, two words. She cared. Mm. It's it's not about me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I hope that my grandchildren and their children will be able to say, you know, she did what she did because she cared. She really wanted to make a difference. She wanted to make things better um, for everyone. Mm-hmm. But I just want people to remember that I cared. It's, it's, I'm not doing this for me. Isn't that important, though, at the end of the day? I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we I had a very, very wise man who um was a 
U.S. senator. Mm-hmm. And he asked me when he first met me, I was actually very, very new in office. And he asked if I believed in Jesus Christ. And I mm-hmm. said, yes, sir, absolutely. And he said, do you really believe in him? And I said, yes, I do. I have a, it's a relationship. It's about the personal relationship. The advice he gave was that you will know when you lose your humility is when you need to stop doing what you're doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, a job like mine, first of all, it's not up to me right. whether I get to stay or go unless I say I don't want to run again. It's, it's mm-hmm. up to the voters. But he said that he had an experience where he had um, been serving for a number of years and he went to a restaurant and he asked for a table and the hostess said, I'm sorry, we don't have anything available. It, it's going to be a wait. And he, he said, he looked at her and said, do you know who I am? Oh, wow. And he said, as soon as the words left his mouth, he was convicted. Mm-hmm. And he said, my ego's gotten ahead of me. And I think it's always important, no matter what kind of job you're in, but especially when you're in a job where, you know, people are looking up to you. Mm-hmm. And I think about children. I think about it's not just about the job that I do. It's about the things that I say and how I say it. And what is my demeanor? Yep. Because if a child is watching, I want that child to feel that I'm a good example for them. And I want their parents to think that I'm a good example for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, may I never think so highly of myself yeah. that I think less of others. And to me, when he said that, I was like, that is such a great lesson to learn. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he was willing to share that with me. Um, So the two words she cared, that's really, that's what I care about. Yeah. And I think that's important. And, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, people, uh, they take meekness as a weakness, right? That's the saying. They take meekness as a weakness. Um, and, 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 you know, and I can say, uh, one thing I can say about uh, the Honorable Mayor Brenda Bethune is there is nothing weak about Mayor Bethune, you know, uh, but your spirit, you have a spirit of humility. Um, and I think it's important. It makes you uh, approachable. You know what I'm saying? It, it allows you to be in the right posture to receive people. And, and I say that uh, you know, uh, we used to work together. I used to work for you. And my office was downstairs in City Hall. And I remember one day, you know, I had a vantage point of kind of seeing the whole parking lot. I remember one day I looked out the window and I saw you walk into your vehicle. And as you were walking to your vehicle, I remember a gentleman walking up to you. Don't know where he came from. I, I felt like he was on foot, but it just seemed a little odd. And, and so... I was automatically concerned, right? And and I remember stepping out of the door and you and you looked over and you saw me. I didn't say anything. And you said, do you remember this? I do remember. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you looked up and you said, Kevin, I'm good. I got it. And, you know, and when you said it, I knew you had it, you know what I'm saying? But it, uh, it just, uh, again, that, that, that presence and that spirit of, Humility is a powerful thing. I had a good friend of mine years ago that said to me, uh, at the time I was the uh, interim police chief of Dory County Police Department, he says, you know what? You're just, you walk in a room, you introduce yourself, you say, hey, my name's Kevin, how you doing? 
you're just too humble. You are just way too humble to be in the position that you're in. You know, and I had it and it kind of alarmed me and kind of bothered me for about 30 seconds. And I said, you know what? I just need to explain to him, you know, that, that meekness is not a weakness. Don't take it the wrong way. But this is how I know how to serve. You know, so I totally agree with you. And and, and that is a, a, a great characteristic um, that you show uh, every day. You walk in it. So thank you for well, that. Thank you. And, you know, can you imagine and I don't want to make this overly political, what our mm-hmm. world would be like if more of our public servants, our legislators, our senators, our house members, you know, on a state and federal level, Mm -hmm. if they had that same mentality. And, you know, we've just, as a as a country, it's become too commonplace to act uncivilly to each other. And it's so much easier to be kind and to be humble and gentle and caring. And actually the day that you're talking about, I believe that gentleman actually told me the story about his mother. He had just lost his mother. Yes. Yes. You told me. And, you know, sometimes you, you know, where city hall is located and Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've, walked out of my car to the building or back to my car at the end of the day. And God has put people in my path. And sometimes all people need is someone to pray with them. Someone to listen to their story, someone just to care and understand. And gosh, if, if all of us could do that, what a great Mm -hmm. place we would have. Oh yeah. We'd definitely be hitting the home run. Yeah. So Great segue into my next question, and it is, how can we uh, get people to focus on humanity instead of other things, right, that divide us, like politics, like religion, like sexual identity? How, you know, what do we, what is, if you could wave a magic wand and, and create that potion, what would it, what is it that we need to get people to remember that, hey, we are all God's children, we are all part of humanity, how do we make that happen, Mayor? Gosh, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, you know, it can't happen without God. Yeah, it, it just can't. Yeah, and you know, I I, I don't want to make that sound trite, mm-hmm. uh, trivial in any way. But yeah. gosh, if we don't have love in our hearts, mm-hmm. and I I see so many people that are so bitter, so angry that all they want to do is blame others. Um, There's not a sense of grace anymore. Mm. Mm. And, you know, I was given a lot of grace throughout my life. And, you know, I I told you at the very beginning, I'm no different than anybody else. I'm no more special than anyone else. But I wish I had the magic potion of how do we, get people to give more grace and Mm -hmm. to be civil to each other and empathetic and relational and caring. Uh, You know, when I talk with groups, whether it's school groups or um, conferences, leadership conferences, I have this acronym and I call it uh, leading with your heart. You know, Mm -hmm. what does it mean to lead with your heart? And for me, Heart, H-E-A-R-T, 
is an acronym for um, the H, to be humble. Mm -hmm. The E, to be empathetic. The A, be approachable. People have to feel like you're a safe person to want to come to. Mm -hmm. The R, to be relational. Uh, it, it doesn't take a whole lot to, yeah. to take two minutes to listen to someone and to try to understand where they're coming from. And the T, to be a team player. Uh, mm. you know, from, like I said, don't be willing to ask somebody to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. That's right. Yeah. And we just need more of that in this world. And it's, it's very, very sad to me. I actually, last week I was in Milwaukee for mm. the presidential debate right. for the Republican debate. Mm -hmm. And even the energy in the room, the booing mm -hmm. um, that was taking place and right. the, the level of disrespect. Mm -hmm. And I thought, gosh, what has happened? What, why can't we be a civilized nation again? Yeah. And the office of the president of the United States, the highest office in our nation should be the most respected. Yeah. And that person should be someone that we can all look up to and admire and respect and that our children should see as an example of leadership yep. but leadership with a heart you've worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft lifelock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Yeah. And I really hope and pray that that's something that we can have again one day. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Um, it, I believe it's gonna happen. But but again, and I love the acronym. Please, when you get a chance, email it to me. I need that in my life. That that that. <laughs> I, think that's, I, I love it. That's awesome. You know. But I was talking to every now and then. Me and my granddaughter have these little conversations every now and then. Uh, and so the other day we're on the swing. Matter of fact, it's about a week ago. We're on the swing, and I say, Nolan. Uh, what do you think needs to happen for the world to be a better place? And so the first thing out of her mouth was, well, well, she says the first thing was, hmm, as if, let me think about this for a minute. She says, hmm, just like that. She's five year old, years old. And she says, I think we should build the biggest, the world's biggest Ferris wheel. That was the first thing she said, world's biggest <laughs> Ferris wheel. And I said, okay. <laughs> and she said, and I think, we should have a big playground and uh, we should have a pizza party. So all of my friends can be happy. And, you know, that was, that was the first thing she said. And I was so happy that as a small child, she's not just thinking about herself, you know what right. I mean? She's thinking about everybody around her. And so my next, my follow-up question was, well, what about for the grownups? And she said, for the grownups, the grown-up should have a conversation just like we're having now. And I was like, wow. Out of the mouth 
of a yeah. bed. <laughs> yeah, it's true. If we would just talk, I, it doesn't matter what our party is or what we look like, what our religion is. If we just talk, if we could just sit down and entertain each other for a little while, we can make major breakthroughs. I, I, I really, really, really believe that. Um, and we need it. it we this world it. is starving it. for it. And it's yeah. just, it's not hard. It isn't difficult to sit down, even when you have a disagreement with someone, to sit down and talk through it. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're but right. for some reason, it's just become the norm not to do that. Right, right. So let's switch gears a little bit. <laughs> what is the funniest thing about you that nobody knows? <laughs> it must be pretty funny because it, it tickled you right away i don't know that i'm funny i mean you you know i'm kind of a trickster i do like you know i do like to tell jokes and mm -hmm. and be funny mm -hmm. um i don't know that there's anything really funny about me <laughs> i'm trying to think what my grandkids would say um i mean i'm kind of boring honestly like yeah, at home yeah. I'm kind of a boring person I I love to cook I love to do flower arranging I love to clean and organize um I don't think you're boring I, I kind of disagree I remember uh we we had an opportunity to uh share a stage together during uh Myrtle Beach's Juneteenth uh celebration <laughs> and you told me a story you know, that, that I thought was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty funny. I mean, you, you got a pretty good sense of humor now. So I, I don't agree with that boring part. Uh, you you want to share that story now? I'll share the story. <laughs> um, I'm assuming everyone knows what a Juneteenth celebration is. And the first year I was mayor, we held the Juneteenth, Juneteenth celebration in the Garden of Hope in the Booker T. Washington neighborhood. And... I was on the stage with um, Mayor's Barbara Blaine Bellamy from Conway and at the time, Brendan Barber from Georgetown. And we were all double Bs, three mayors with double Bs. Mm -hmm. And it was my first year. So the person introducing me didn't really know me. And they introduced me as the first black female mayor of Myrtle Beach. <laughs> <laughs> So I just went with it and I said, I'm honored to be the first mayor of Myrtle Beach and I have the hair to go with it. So thank you. <laughs> and um, anyone who's seen me knows I do have some crazy hair, but right. Right. that's just who I am. And, and I, I don't mean that I'm boring. I do love to have fun, but the, I don't, I can't think of really the funniest thing about me. Um, I really don't know what that would be. I love hanging out okay. with my dogs and, yeah. And, you know, I love to travel with my husband and I just like to have fun. I like to cut up and yeah. joke around and have a good time. And I think that every single day, I don't care what kind of job you're in, how serious it is. There is no reason why we can't laugh in our jobs every single day. You and yeah. I hope that that's something that I can bring in my job now is just to bring laughter and some light into people's lives. That's right. Very important. Um, but so, I'll, okay. I will tell you one funny little thing. Yeah, okay. okay. I can't believe I'm going to tell you this. 
And it's an it's not like a funny it's not something funny I do it's an oddity. Okay. That when I go to bed at night for whatever reason my toes are crossed. Huh? And I don't know if I did that when it, <laughs> when I was in my mother's womb or what. Whoa, 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 whoa. hold on now, hold on, hold on. You you you're saying your feet are crossed? No, my toes. My my big toe and my second toe are always crossed when I go to bed at night. And um, I kind of realized this probably about three years ago. And I was like, gosh, I do this every single night. And it, it really is a thing. And I thought, well, that is a really strange thing to do. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that's an odd, funny, yeah. quirky Whoa, thing that people can know. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So, so what do you think? You know, the first thing that came to my mind was, okay, and, and I may be crazy for thinking this, but okay, you, you're, I, I think about your fingers being crossed, right? And so, um, you know, my thought, you said your toes are crossed. I'm thinking, okay, so if I go to sleep and I dream and I say something out loud and it's not true, my, my toes are crossed just in case, just to cover me, kind of like my fingers would be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's the case. <laughs> I, I have some pretty crazy dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, I certainly appreciate you sharing that. that. That's 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 a good one. That is a good one. That is a good one. So, Mayor, what what societal issues, if any, um, keep you up at night? You know, what's what's most important to you? I try really hard not to let anything really keep me up at night. But the things that probably weigh on my heart the most um, is are the things we've already really talked about is just how mean people can be. Yeah. And, you know, you wouldn't believe some of the emails that I get and the things that people are not afraid to say. Right. And it's really disheartening. To think that people somewhere, somehow have become so jaded, so unhappy, so miserable in life, but that they think that it's okay to say things to someone they don't even know mm. about something that isn't even true. And I think when it really hurts my heart to see so many unhappy, miserable people and in society. And I think about, I always try to think, what has that person gone through mm. to cause this? Yeah. Um, they weren't, they didn't just become that way on their own. That's right. It's from our traumas, our life experiences, things that are modeled for us as children, yes. you know, pain, anger, sorrow. And whenever I see people like that, I, I really try to put my heart in a place where I can say, you know, forgive them. What have they gone through to cause mm -hmm. them to be this way? Yeah. Yeah. And not for me to take it on myself because it really isn't about me. Right. It's about that. They're unhappy with a lot of things. It's not yeah. just, you know, whether their trash didn't get picked up or not. Mm -hmm. and that's what really hurts me and you know for children i see even my own grandkids you know just a lot of pain there yeah. and for me to see a child who is in pain just crushes mm -hmm. me 
that 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 shatters me because you know these these little ones they're going to grow up to be our adults and you know i i just want for our children to have good lives um good role models that they can look up to to be loved and to be treated with um, dignity and respect and to teach them the ways they should go. Yeah. Yeah. And you used the word grace earlier. And I, and I think, you know, grace plays a major role in turning this thing around, you know, because we come from, we have, we all have different upbringings, right? We come from different ancestral histories. We, we, we are exposed to different things. We watch different news. We we have different friends and surroundings. And we have personal, all different personal life experiences that we all have to mitigate for ourselves. And you made a good point of saying that we never know what somebody's going through. We just see the byproduct, right? What comes out, the ugliness that comes out. We don't know what got them there. And so, and I think that's where the grace comes in at. But I think before, and I really believe this, that before we give other people grace, we have to open up our little chicken box and look in it and, and be able to and look in the mirror and give ourselves grace first, because all of us have something that we're hung up on. It's, you know what I'm saying? At some point, you know, we grow, we get bigger, we stronger, we get better. Um, but at some point, we all have things that we need to work on. So I think the grace, it starts, we have to give ourselves a little bit first. You know? Absolutely. And, and, and that's we do, so well said. Yeah. And if we do, I think it opens up the door for us to do it, uh, give grace to other people as well. And, you know, that's such a big word. It's mm-hmm. a little word with such a big meaning. Big word, yes, yes. And absolutely. one thing I have been doing over the last, about probably about a year and a half, two years, when I, when I look at people, I don't say there are 300 people in this room. Mm. There are, you know, 50 people in this room. I say there are 300 souls in mm. this room. Um, we all have a soul yeah. and I try that has helped me to look at people differently mm. because it helps me to look from the inside out, not the outside, not just out on the outside. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, so if you could rewind the tape, right, go back in time and do something over one thing you could go back in time and change uh, related to you and your life, your career, whatever you, you know, whatever it is, if you could go back and change one thing, what would it be? Mm. Well, I'm going to break the rules and give you two. How about okay. that? That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish that I had done more with my education. Mm. Um, I wish that I had known what direction it was I wanted to go and I just didn't have any direction. So that's one. And then on a more personal, serious level, I wish that I could go back to the night before my brother was killed um, because he was preparing for a he was killed on his fishing boat and he and his friends were going out and I was begging him to let me go with him. Mm. And 
we had an argument and he was like, stop asking. You're not going. It's going to be too long of a day. No, no, no. I was angry. And I, I wish I could do that night over again. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, we've talked about a lot. You're easy. You've always been easy to talk with. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So I, I've started started a tradition on my podcast where I always let my guests ask me the last question. So you you kind of have the final say. You get to ask me anything you want, and uh, and I'll do my best to answer your questions. So take your best well, shot. You're putting me on the spot because. <laughs> You know, it could be a simple question or something really serious. It could. Um, it's your decision. Anything you want to ask me. What is the greatest life lesson you've ever learned and who did you learn it from? Oh, man. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. <clears throat> that one almost makes me a little emotional. Um, That's okay. We're unpacking yeah. the bag. Now we're unpacking the bag and good question. Very good question. Um, my dad, my dad, I'll, I'll answer your question in, in, in reverse order. My dad, uh, taught me a lesson. Uh, you know, my dad, um, grew up late 1930s on Johns Island, uh, South Carolina. And, uh, during a time when honestly, the, I guess the, the easiest way to put it, um, people weren't all that friendly to African-American men. Um, oh. He saw a lot. He went through a lot. And he only had a sixth grade education. Uh, when he's in the sixth grade, he lived with his uh, his grandmother and two siblings and their house burned down. And so when he, uh, he was 12, he stopped going to school and went to work. And he worked his entire life. He was a mechanic by trade. Uh, and he, oh man, you know, I never seen this this gentleman raise his voice. Um, he had uh, so many reasons to uh, be be bitter about life, but he but he but he wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, he always encouraged me. Um, he always told me, uh, you know. And it's funny, I you know I actually wrote a book in 2014 called "Hit Them Before They Hit You," and it was around an experience. Um, and, and, and I'll just get to the chase. I'll just get to the title. Uh, and it was, you know, I, I first 10, 10 years of my life, I felt like my life was not going to amount to anything. So, you know, I, I, I cringe when I hear young people that don't have hope because I used to be one of those young people. Um, I, you know, I dealt with uh, chronic asthma. I was born with crooked legs. And, you know, I would tell my kids how I wore leg braces before Forrest Gump did. You know, I just and it made me an easy target for stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. he always encouraged me. Uh, and so I remember I finally convinced my parents to let me play football. My mom was like, absolutely not. You're too fragile. It ain't happening. You know, and my dad was like, oh, let's just let's just give him a chance. Right. So he takes me to my very first football practice and, and we pull up to the field and he gets out and he starts walking and he takes about 10 steps and he realized that I never get out the car. I'm terrified. I wanted to play, but I am terrified. So he walks back. Hey, Bubba, let's go. I said, Daddy, I'm scared. I don't want to do it. I said, no, 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 no. Come on. You got this. Come on. Come on. Let's go. So I get out. And we start walking. 
And we walk about 50 yards and I'm looking at him, Mayor, and, uh, and I'm looking at him because I want him to give me some advice. I want him to reassure me that everything's going to be okay. And he never looked at me. I knew, you know, I didn't really mm. understand it as a kid, but I, when I got older and was able to look back, he never looked at me. And the reason he didn't was because he didn't have a childhood where he had an opportunity to play football. You know, from, from the age of 12, he was working. He didn't go to prom. You know what I'm saying? He didn't, he didn't hang out with his friends like other kids. He was working. Right. You know? And so he, he had no idea what to tell me. And he was ashamed of that. So we get to the field. He can't go any further. He looks at me and he says, hey, Bubba. And I said, yes, sir. He says, just hit them before they hit you. Those were his words to me. Those were his words. Just hit them before they hit you. And so I go out there. I'm green. I never, ever played before. I'm running around hitting everybody. I'm hitting people on offense, on defense. I'm just hitting, I'm hitting everybody, right? And so by the end of the year, I ended up being the most valuable player on my football team. Oh, wow. And it was all because the words that my dad told me, it was like a key that unlocked my life. It wasn't really just about football, you know what I mean? And so I took that uh that 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 those words with me, I take them with me today, you know, and and it's you know, it and it what it means to me is that if you if you want it, you have to go and get it. You know, success is not going to come and knock on your door and say, Hey Kevin, hey, I'm here to pick you up. It, it, you know, it doesn't work that way. If you want it, you have to you have to go out and get it. So to answer your question, and I know I'm taking all day to answer it, but to answer your question. My dad, Isaac Waits, uh, taught me the greatest lesson. And that greatest lesson was to not just be good, but be good for something. I love that. I wish every student in our school system could read that book. What an amazing example you are. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and thank you for joining me for a conversation uh, today. I think it's really been awesome. Would you come back? I would love to come back. I have missed you. Sometimes I walk downstairs and I'll just be like, gosh, I wish Kevin was down here. I need advice. Yeah, I appreciate it. What that. do I do about this? What do I, how do I say that? And um, we, we have had a little situation the last couple of weeks that happened. And it's like, man, I really could use his advice on what, how to handle this one. Right. Right, but well, just what a pleasure it was to work with you the short time I did. And, you know, we've talked about God a lot and I believe God puts people in our paths for a reason. Right. And you are someone that I know that if I ever really did need you, I could reach out and say, look, I need help. I need advice. What do I do? And I hope you feel that way too. I do. I do. I totally do. And, uh, and I appreciate you. Uh, not, uh, I just appreciate you for who you are. Um, you, you know, great, great, uh, person, great individual person, great, just a, just your spirit, you know? Um, so I, I really appreciate you coming on tonight and us having a conversation. Uh, any closing words, any closing remarks? That's your golf game. I hadn't played them. <laughs> you know what? I hadn't played that much lately. <laughs> so it's a work in progress I ain't played that much okay. but I appreciate that so yeah no, my closing words just thank you for this opportunity and um just what a pleasure this has been it's been fun yeah 
And I've learned some things about you. I think you've learned some things about me. Absolutely. And, you know, just tell people, just love each other. Just show love. Let's, let's, let's stop all this ugliness and just be kind. That's an awesome way to close it out. Show love and be kind. You heard it first from the Honorable Mayor Brenda Bethune of the city of Myrtle Beach. Uh, we thank all the listeners for listening tonight. We thank Mayor for being on and hope to see her and hear her come back on again. So until our next episode of Safe Conversations, peace. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Waits, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcasts. Find Kevin Waits on Facebook at Kevin Waits and join the Safe Conversations group. Follow the Mino Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mino Line Media. Get the Mino Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production. You've worked hard for what you have your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.